I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Radio check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. Don't stop. He's what you get with his Odyssey. I've got it. I've absolutely got it. I enjoyed this so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, everybody. Welcome on in. It's another edition of the Mode Push Podcast. Thanks for being with us. Race number two of the season is upon us. Jetta. World's fastest street circuit is upon us, and it's uh, we're in the middle of the week here, so we have a lot to to jump into before we get to practices and uh, qualifying, of course, on Saturday. And then Dan Jimenez, of course, my co-host on the program, joining me. We've got to figure out Dan our uh, our fantasy F one, which is like a new concept for me. I have to like get into like thinking about it, but we have until all the way up to qualifying, which might be yeah. the, the move this week, is to not do it too early, look and see kind of where the pace is in the, in the practices, and then instead of just doing your best guesses. But, yeah, man, lots of drama already going on. Yeah, the, the last two weeks has been uh, very interesting, way more uh, headlines than normally uh, this time of the season. It's just it's crazy how Mercedes is throwing their hands up in the air after one race. And I'm trying to think of another sport where after the first game of the season, you're like, oh, it's over. Like, we tried. Maybe next year. Like, it's Formula One seems so fatalist in that respect. And Mercedes, of all, is like, you got Toto, Lewis, and uh, George all with, like, spicy quotes over the last two weeks that just makes it seem like it's a dumpster fire So what is there. it then? So what are the what are the things that are indicating that uh, Mercedes, like, where, how is the sky falling for Mercedes? And what are all the things that are indicating that? Yeah, you had uh, Toto even after qualifying, but then more after the race doubling down on we need to scrap this uh, this direction with uh, the design of the the car, specifically the side pods. The zero side pod strategy is just it's a no win strategy. And uh, then you have Lewis going on uh, a podcast saying like, yeah, like all last year I told them it was messed up and they didn't listen to me and I know what a car needs. Just totally 180 <laughs> degrees from where he normally is where it's like, oh, you're the team concept, dude. Yeah, it's a team sport, but no, it's all out. It's it's all him, which I, we can get into that psychology, which I think is interesting, uh, specific to Lewis. And then, you know, we talked about this on the race recap, but uh, George is already predicting a um, a 23 race win season for Red Bull. And it's like, <laughs> you, but see, there's a little bit of that, you know. This sport's funny too because there's a lot of sandbagging that goes on. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, misdirection. There's a lot of politics of like, oh, you know, like your team, our team is doing X, Y, and Z, and and kind of 
you know, it's it's what you get with a lot of sports where guys will put your your attention in one direction and then they kind of uh, over oh look over here and then maybe Mercedes is not as I mean look the, the other thing is is they were this close to I mean what were they fifth and seventh in uh, or was it fourth, fourth and, and six fourth I and sixth so like really you're already throwing in the towel here I, I don't know exactly like long term what it looks like over the course of the season. And I know that they are – I mean, imagine George, his entire freaking career and having to put up with Williams, the tears that he had to <laughs> deal with. And then he finally gets to to Mercedes, and it's the worst they've been in more than a decade yeah. or so. And so it's a, it, it's a weird time to be a, Ferrari, a, a Mercedes fan. And on top of it, Toto even thinks they need to go back to the drawing board. So how do you even do that? How do the teams operate? Like, is there a team that just goes, we're only the 2024 – concept design team over here that's all we're working on we basically don't even pay attention to what's going on in the season maybe some wind tunnel results but other than that like are they really scrapping it in the sense of they go back to the factory and there's just a team working on the 2024 car i think that they'll have had another design philosophy going in parallel over the off season and so i bet they came into bahrain trying to see if they could make the same um philosophy that they invested so much into work and as soon as they realize like no we're way off the pace like it's not that just that they like finish fourth and sixth but it's like red bull beat the field by like 40 seconds it was not even it was not not even close well and specifically max beat his teammate by another 15 also yeah and they, and they were telling him to slow down and then also like fernando just drove past both of them and like it's not just it's aston martin but like they have the same exact motor right it's the same power plant as uh, as Mercedes, and you can't get beat by the works team when you're yeah. the manufacturer team, mm-hmm. right? I think as soon as uh, <laughs> Fernando got around both of them and Lance got around George, like that's when the panic button got hit. And it's like, okay, guys, this can't happen again. We can't get outrun by Aston Martin at least. And uh, so, yeah, I th- there's a parallel track going, and it's obviously not as well developed and hasn't had uh, the track time that they could have gotten if they had just started the season at, in the preseason testing with uh with it but i expect soon um not i don't imagine it's going to be this weekend but i imagine soon we're going to see a significantly different looking um uh mercedes car that probably looks a lot like the aston martin which looks a lot like the red bull (laughs) (laughs) oh the copy and paste that happens in f1 it happens across every sport right where you go no 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 i i had the same thought no the reason it looks exactly like it and of course that same aston martin team which was uh you know, uh, what were they before? They were the... Uh, they were pink. That's, I was trying to remember. They were Force India. For, it was Force India, but then, then right they between, were, what were they? They were Daddy Stroll's team. I, I'm, killing, I'm killing myself to try to remember the name of the <laughs> but team. But either way, <laughs> they were getting beat up for, like, wholesale stealing of... Mercedes, know, yeah. Of it Mercedes, just like Mercedes. Of Mercedes. Yeah. It was the pink Mercedes. That's what we called yeah. it, right? And so it's interesting now because it's like, dude, it, we didn't just... I mean, they are developing into, like, the number two team maybe if in some people's eyes if Ferrari yeah. can't get their crap together for this weekend. And so let's go to Ferrari then, who is also uh, suffering a little bit of a, a, a setback because they're already through their second power unit for Charles, oh and he's going to take a grid penalty. What, what does that look like? And and, and so and, and how do they even determine these things? What's the regulation, and how many power units can you even like have and go through during a season? Two. You can have two. And now they're on number three, and we've had one race. <laughs> what about the new reliable <laughs> yeah. Ferrari, dude? Like- oh my gosh! 
Yeah. So basically, from what I've read, it, the issues. So they changed their power unit, and they kept calling it like the like the battery. So um, for those who don't remember, like in an F one engine, you it's like a hybrid, right? And so the hybrid engine, the electric motor. Um, gets energy from the, a battery that gets replenished from like the braking and the heat from the engine and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so um, they said that they caught something uh, that they were worried about right before the race in Bahrain. So they switched it out um, right before the race and they didn't take a penalty because you can, you can do engine. that once. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then we had the same exact failure in during the race. And afterwards uh, I read that it was like an install error. It was like a human error. Like they, somebody, Put, did something wrong and supposed in, to use in, the in, ten millimeter bolts, bro. Come on, does something happen <laughs> where they installed it wrong twice? Oh my, ruined gosh. it, and then now you're on to number three, and you have to. So what happens is once you break that rule, the um, obviously it's a lot more money, right? You're you're pouring into it, but then you get a hit with a grid penalty. So they're getting a ten place grid penalty. So um, if Charles wins pole, then he's starting in tenth. And he could be on pole. I mean, this is a this is a track that's yeah. uh, that favors Ferrari, a team like Ferrari, who I think uh, they might be the most uh, straight line speed team that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of their bread and butter. That was last year the thing that had them ahead of everybody. Um, but a track like this, with I'm trying to think of how Red Bull is going to lose this thing, right? Like that's what I think about things with now. They don't have that straight line speed, but it also doesn't really matter because it just seems like there is so much that Max already does and that this car is far ahead of in terms of mm-hmm. development, unless you're going to have some reliability issues, which is never out of the question. That's yeah. the only reason why. Weather and and uh, and reliability and just kind of DNFs overall yeah. are going to be, you know, you always have it. We we, we start to go, Max is going to win every race, Checo's going to be second every race, and, mm-hmm. and that's just not how it works. Even yeah. think about how dominant Mercedes was, and, and, and certainly even in those years, people – they had way more pace than other people all the time, and mm-hmm. they still lost races, and that's just uh, that was just part of it. So there's not going to be some, you know, dire the the, the sky is falling. And but I don't know. I mean, like, can Aston Martin or is this a track that's set up for them? I know that tire degradation is different from the, on this track mm-hmm. versus what you saw last week. It's it's less of a concern, so maybe yeah. that could be helpful to teams who couldn't manage their tires last weekend. Yeah, yeah. Ferrari got beat so bad because they had. You know, their drivers had to make up for their lack of uh, what it seemed like to be downforce, and so they just ate through their tires faster, which will be less of an issue at Jeddah because it's, um, you know, more of a straight-line track, uh, and it's a newer track that is is a bit softer on the tires. And so, yeah, I think that it's going to be um, a more competitive race for sure. And like you said, I think there's more uh, chance for chaos to be thrown into it. Like Mick Schumacher had that huge stunt, uh, in, in last year. It's a, it's a tricky course because they've like the high speed, um, S's like they're, they're pretty scary. And so I think there's a chance that, you know, we have three rookies going into this race who've never raced at Jetta where at Bahrain, it's a very big, wide, e- kind of pretty straightforward course where they had three days of testing to get ready for. And now they're getting thrown into Jetta that they've only ever driven on like the simulator and uh, I think there's a, a high uh, probability that we see somebody get in the wall, red flag, maybe catches uh, Red Bull out on you know their strategy, and uh, and like you said, it, it's it plays into the hands of the cars that are really good in a straight line. Like who Ferrari. did we, uh, who were we too in love with last week, and mm-hmm. who isn't as bad as we maybe thought? Because mm-hmm. you think about a, a a weekend like this, and I would think that even a a car like the Haas car that 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 has that same Ferrari power plant that has yeah. that same uh, kind of setup, 
this could be a weekend that uh, the American team uh, maybe makes some sort of a move, or is that are they too far out from that, or, or is there somebody who is Aston Martin? Did we what we see last week was a little bit more of uh, of an over estimation for what we thought that, that, that what they were because but i mean it's one thing to have fernando finish on the podium but it was also have two broken wrist uh, lance stroll roll up yeah and split the mercedes and so i mean is their car that much far forward or or, or did we fool ourselves with anything last last yeah. race it's so hard because we only have the one data point data point of bahrain which i would say bahrain is an average track and Jeddah is like a very not average track okay so it's just hard i think to draw the correlation between these two um, so we could be surprised. I think uh, Logan Sargent had a really great outing. Um, he had an incredible first couple laps. I don't know if, if you saw that. Uh, it's out there online, but the onboard camera of him from his first two laps is super impressive. Just he was in the midst of a lot of craziness, kept his car clean, made some clean passes. But I, I think coming into this race, all the rookies are going to be on the back foot because it's just a, such a nuts track. Um, and I don't know, Aston Martin, I, I still want to believe, I think that they can actually bring the heat. Um, and so I, I think that they'll, they'll be competitive and a Haas, man, I really hope that they can get better. You, you see the news of Haas with, uh, getting in trouble with, uh, Haas automation. What uh, happened with that? I was, yeah. I saw it, but I don't know exactly what yeah. the uh, back and forth is. <laughs> uh, the report is Haas automation, which is, uh, Gene Haas's business. How yeah, he made yeah. his money. Mm-hmm. They make uh, big CNC mills. So basically huge machines that make, Parts. Other things, yes. other make other mm-hmm. things, lathes and stuff like that. Um, they're selling to the Russians during the period when we shouldn't be having any business with the Russians, which is hilarious when you consider Gunter <laughs> on Netflix saying he never wants to do I anything never with the see Russians ever again. <laughs> and then uh, Gene yeah. is like, "Hold that, hold that thought. We have a couple contracts that are coming through. that are pretty interesting. So that could be. I don't know. I don't really think that that spells any trouble. It's just for, bad PR. It's just bad PR. Yeah. Um, so. I'm trying to think of some of these other teams, and I was looking actually today, and I was I, I wanted to roll some of these out for you because it's a Jetta it's a Jetta bingo card that I saw for okay. us. Okay, <laughs> so things that things that we're anticipating for this weekend here. So, and if you don't, if you like, this is this is a pretty interesting thing because periodically we'll see stuff like this. And by the way, Yuki Sonoda was told to calm it down again on the radio. Oh really? We I missed that. No, he's oh. so his team came out and said oh. he's been or he he mentioned. I have a bit of a problem shouting, <laughs> shouting know, and cursing, yeah. and cussing at everybody yeah. during his uh, radio messages. But uh, apparently, they told him again that he has to calm down his mm. his uh, intense radio chatter. That's not a good look for a guy who's like, is this his third year on the edge? This yeah, is third his third year. year. Yeah, like, and, and he's on that edge. Like, yeah. he is. He better defeat. He better beat Nick DeVry every race if mm-hmm. he's going to. Uh, you know, sit with this uh, with this Alpha Tower team, who you know, by the way, also this week, uh, Helmet Marco actually said, "Yeah, they got voted. You know, they're going to keep the team there, and it's not mm-hmm. going to be sold to anybody. But if they don't improve their finances, and if they don't improve their performance, which is mm-hmm. obviously what helps you improve finances as well, uh, it's not going to be a, a long lived uh, deal to be able to have a sister team." Mm-hmm. Okay, both mm-hmm. Aston Martins uh, qualify in the ta- in the top eight. That's not that big of an ask, I guess, but because uh, no. you're just you're just saying be one of the four top fastest teams, which I think mm-hmm. we know that they yeah. are, and then keep your nose clean, obviously, in qualifying. So that's that's something that could definitely happen. Yeah, I, I uh, think that's good odds. Alpine underperforming last week a little bit, but uh, Gasly, uh, you know, to be able to come back from twentieth to ninth, nice points for him. Alpine again in the points. I don't know how this track works out for them. Um, I think good. I I think that. Um 
I Ocon and Gasly are both really experienced drivers, so I I agree that they uh, could could both finish. Uh, I'm not going to say like higher than eighth, but maybe nine ten. Uh, three mechanical DNFs across the field somewhere. Ooh. Oh man, you'd hope that it's two race, second race. McLaren in had one last week, right? Yeah, yeah. Ferrari had one. Am I missing one of those two? I think those Did were just the two. Ocon have a. I think he. Oh, he ended up having to retire, but I don't know if it was. Yeah. It was. Yeah, I can't remember if his was a, a complete they just, DNF. Like, gave or they're up like, hey, they're man, like, we're five laps. Down. Bring it in, bro. <laughs> like, uh, Valtteri Bottas qualifying in the top eight, sneaking in for Alfa Romeo. Uh yeah yeah I I think they got good straight line speed speed and he's experienced so he's done yeah. well this track uh, historically yeah um the pole sitter does not win the race I, now this isn't like I don't know what yeah what are the types of passing situations at Jeddah is it I mean mm-hmm. you think about race tracks uh, uh, along the grid and mm-hmm. along the along the calendar that are not good to be able to pass with where, where does this one sit with that is it, is it because of those long straights I would assume I would assume there's a lot of uh, you know, the DRS moments where you're going to yeah. be able to push it. Yeah, I would think that um, the DRS will have more passing than last week. One thing that at Bahrain that we didn't talk about, which uh, was different than last year, is they shortened the DRS zone into just basically down the front stretch into turn one. So that was um, that was done because they wanted it to be like more competitive, but it, there's way less passing in uh, Bahrain this year than last year. So hopefully they don't mess with the... Uh, the DRS zones any more than they did um, previously. And and I think that, yeah, with the long straights, we should have some good passing. Checo qualifying in the top two. That'd be basically locking out the front row for, uh, for Red Bull. Cause I think that, but this is a, this, actually he has a really good history here. Hmm. He does well at this track. And I think that he even was maybe like a, like a hundredth of a second off of max last year at this, oh, at this race. Yeah. But didn't he win this one last year, or did he win Saudi Arabia? I no, can't remember which he one he... won. Um, or was he won it the one of before? these towards the end? It was the year before, maybe also that I think he, he may have won, performed well. Yeah, um, I, I felt like he got like hosed out of a out of a win. I think last year that he was doing pretty well. But yeah, he is quick here, and uh, I just don't ever th- really think of Sergio as like a great qualifier for some reason. I don't know. I think he. I feel like he races better than he qualifies. And then there was last week where or last race where he qualified uh, second and then had a crap start, crap start. and yeah. then it basically that's what put him behind everything. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say somebody else, either uh, Charles or um, or Fernando gets second. Okay, a rookie gets into Q two. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> this is one of those tracks too that you could have. This is. This is this has a recipe for maybe some crashes. Those rookies yeah. better be careful at this place, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, a, that, that's like the nightmare scenario for like Max or somebody is like uh, DeVries somehow pulls out like a, a Q one, you know, start and then just piles into everybody in turn one. You know, I guess that's a, that's a risk everywhere, but especially at this track. Alonso back on the podium. Yeah, you think so? I think he's got the mojo going. Wow. But now Lance is like they, like they even had a little bit of a battle last race, mm-hmm. uh, and I just feel like neither of those dudes would ever Back uh, relinquish to one another, which is good for the team. But it also creates uh, moments where teams go nuts and they go, "Hey, man, we got to get at least one car on the points. Don't crash into each other and be idiots right. about it." Uh, a red flag during the race. Uh, I'm gonna go yes. That's a on that one. If there's a, if there's any kind of contact at these high speeds and all that just debris hits the. Yeah. Uh, hits the turf and then on, you're there on the aston martin i've been meaning to bring this up 
Um, it's so funny because like uh, when we get through when we were going through preseason testing and all this news was coming out about how fast they were, I was like, who is Aston Martin's um, technical not technical director, but like who's their team boss? And I'm just like trying to think. I'm like, why can't I remember his name? And I'm like, oh, the the team principal is Mike Crack. And I'm like, Mike Crack, isn't that a it's a Bart, that's a Bart Simpson. That is a definitely a Bart Simpson uh, calling Moe's Bar. Yeah. Moe's Tavern. And, uh, I mean, shout out to Mike. I mean, he's doing, <laughs> doing a great job this over is, there. It's and a little I, bit of a boy named Sue situation. It was like, if he's got to, he's got to be. But I think that they, like, purposely don't talk about him very much until this season where we have to say Mike Crack. I've like, got an interview with my crack this uh, this weekend. Poor guy. I'm sure he's, like, so over those jokes he's heard from it his all. whole life. He's heard it all. But, again, that's probably why, right? You got that, you got that thing that uh, – Always creeps up. You won't go Michael. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You go with something else. Yeah, Take your mom's maiden name Is or something. Is he French dude. of some sort? Can he be Michelle? Like, <laughs> Michelle, Michelle Crack. Michelle Crack. Uh, all right, so all the teams that are kind of getting ready for this weekend, is Williams as bad as, as everyone said they were going to be at the beginning of the year, or uh, do they have some real pace to be able to be there? Is there a team that you're looking at to go, no, watch for them to make a couple of moves? Because everybody, not everybody, but some teams are making some real uh, upgrades at Jetta already. Yeah. And they're not significant in some cases. Mercedes was like, we're doing some improvements. It's like nothing crazy. Don't expect anything mm-hmm. out of us. Uh, but what are those, when they talk about upgrades, what are the biggest things they're talking about? Like, what are the things yeah. that they're actually changing? Arrow. They're just changing. Um, I mean, if, if you can get like a really good picture or a close up shot, of uh, an F1 car and you look along the floor, you look along the back, the diffuser, which is kind of like uh, the undercarriage of of the car um, where the exhaust comes out. Like all that stuff, they're just continuously developing that throughout the year and they're doing their wind tunnel time. And uh, then the updates that they bring are most often aero updates uh, versus like mechanical updates. I wonder if there's something too. Like when they talk about upgrades, they act like, that it's like a video game where it's just like you ate the mushroom and then like you got <laughs> yeah, bigger you, suddenly. And, yeah, you can jump in the Right, yeah. and that's what I always – when they say that and like, well, they're br- – and the reports are they're bringing upgrades and they're going to be uh, significant upgrades versus like just some small upgrades here and there. And you go, well, well, so did you not have those in the first race and why don't they have them? They've done all of this wind tunnel testing and all these things. Yeah. Why is it that they show up with this stuff? Yeah. Is it just specific to the racetrack or how does it work? I would say that especially early in the season, when they go to Bahrain and they do the preseason testing, you'll see them outfit like these aero rakes on the car, which are like these huge, like, I don't know, like grids, metal grids yeah. that they stick on the front and on the back. And there's like a million pitot tubes everywhere, which they're are measuring air with that, pressure. They're spraying it with that, that the, green the ink flow or spray, whatever. Yeah. yeah. How, what does that do? <laughs> uh, it's just a visualization of like, okay, where's the air moving when it's out there? But I, I feel like the the flow viz or whatever is a bit of a I don't know parlor trick. But you have the um, you have the pitot tubes on these uh, big aero rakes, and that is valid. That they do that so that they can validate all their their CFD like their fancy computer aero uh, wind tunnel. And then so with that data, they can come back and say, okay, our models that we build and run uh, on the computer for aero are right or they're off by this much and we need to offset it. So once you get that valuable information from the real world testing, then you can feed that back into whatever your designs have been and be like, okay, yeah, so now we believe design C is going to work the best or design A. And so that's probably like when um, teams bring updates to race two. It's iterating off of the information and the data that they got from that preseason testing. And so 
Um, they probably got a lot of stuff in the hopper ready to go. They're just kind of waiting for that fresh data to come. And then they can say, all right, go ahead, manufacture it, bring two sets of it, three sets of it, and get it to uh, get it to Jetta. Speaking of sets, uh, how many tires, how do the tire rules work? Yeah. Like when they talk about what tires can and can't be used in, uh, you know, the your second qualifying session versus, you know, I know they want people to go kind of like – you know, all out on that yeah. on that last lap of qualifying, and so they don't make them wear the or put those tires on. But but how many sets of tires are you allowed to? Is there a limit on mm-hmm. uh, how many times you can change and and what you have to start and stop races with? I've always been unclear with that. Yeah, I believe it's ten sets. I think they get each week they get ten sets from Pirelli, and I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but it's like three softs, three mediums, and four hards, or three you know three three and then four softs or something. And so um, then they have the liberty to use those however they want through the through the weekend. And so they'll uh, they'll go in and they'll they'll run short stints on tires that they don't want to take a ton of life out of them. And so you'll hear sometimes they talk about a brand new fresh set of tires or a set of scrubbed tires. And scrubbed means that they went around a lap or two. Maybe they went around slowly. And so. They didn't. Uh, they didn't take uh, a ton of life out of it, but they're not as uh, as grippy as a as a brand new set. And so, I believe the rules are still that you can use any tire that you want throughout qualifying. But I remember reading an idea that they wanted to move towards. You had to run hards in Q3, mediums in Q2, and softs in Q1. But I think that that is either just still on the table as an idea, or maybe they're going to do that during like a sprint weekend or something. Um, but uh, yeah, the teams have the liberty to choose, and then. Um, they can start the race uh, on any tire. And so, like, last week we saw Charles. He didn't go out for that last run in in Q1. Uh, he he was qualified second, felt good about the time, and, and didn't go back out because he wanted to start on a fresh, brand-new fresh set where uh, Max was starting on a set of softs that had been run, in, I believe, in qualifying, like, a lap or two. And he wanted to have that, like, tiny bit of advantage so that he could get around Max, hopefully in lap one, but... It it did, maybe it played out a little bit in the first fifty hundred yards, but it didn't uh, really uh, play out to be a long term advantage. So I found one of the uh, the things from yesterday that was that was interesting is is that so Fred Vasseur, who's the boss now at uh, he's the team principal at, at Ferrari, took over for Mattia Bonotto. Apparently, Charles Leclerc requested a meeting with Ferrari's chairman <laughs> and other bosses. Hmm. Kind of, which every boss loves, right? When you go yeah, over when you their go head over their head, yeah. to a, to perfect strategy. <laughs> it's yeah, an amazing way to do it. Uh, but if you're also like the highest paid guy, probably on the entire yeah. team, you're and, the franchise. You know, that, yeah. you know, it's like LeBron asking to meet with uh, Genie Bus, I guess. But <laughs> in the end, uh, apparently, it was he requested this meeting with the with the brass. There, there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of uh, of hitting points too, where Vasur apparently. Had had a couple of issues with the Ferrari C- with Ferrari CEO uh, Benetto Vigna, hmm. who now, apparently they got into a little bit of a tiff because the CEO of Ferrari um, was not appreciative that he flew in the same plane to oh my gosh Bahrain as because uh, he flew with Toto, who's like his close friend, right? And all these guys are all sharing planes and stuff across the board. Yeah, the yeah. drivers are all like in Max's plane. Like it seems yeah, like, yeah. These guys I, I all hang out. I think together. they don't care how they get there. And if someone's like, "Dude, you want to ride in my private jet?" Like, absolutely. And you know, uh, if there's already like rumor of the top bosses and Fred Vasseur, who seems like a guy who doesn't budge on a lot anyway, if there's already some of that, maybe that unhappiness and all that stuff kind of trickles down. 
and huh. and Charles maybe doesn't maybe Charles is able to push around uh, Benotto a little bit more. And Fred doesn't seem like the guy that does it, but man, you don't like that kind of. I mean, I like that kind of trauma, you know, from race to race. But <laughs> but you don't want it at your workplace, yeah? No, that's absolutely. This is what they're dealing with right now. It's crazy. Even if it's just rumor, the perception in, in that case could be the reality too. Yeah, I mean, Vasur uh, was has worked with Charles for a, a long time, like in, from his early uh, years and karting and stuff, and so like he's known him for a long time, and maybe. I don't know how that plays into the relationship when you feel like you really know somebody more like family than in a professional sense. Ah, weird. Okay, this weekend let's get your uh, let's get your picks here, and I'm not asking you to give up all of your uh, your fantasy <laughs> picks that you're going to have, but um, a podium, and then uh, give me your. Uh, Unexpected finishes for mm-hmm. teams. Whatever else, we, unexpected things we might not necessarily uh, see in uh, Jetta this weekend that we were, that we were expecting. Yeah, I'm going to go podium. Uh, no surprise. I'm going to say Max is going to win it. Uh, I'm going to go second for uh, Fernando. I think he's going to move up one spot there on the podium from last week. And then uh, Carlos Sainz, I think, will be quick in the Ferrari, and he doesn't have the grid penalty that Charles has. So I, I'm going to say th- third for, for uh, Carlos. I'm going to go... Red Bull one two, mm-hmm. but it's going to go Checo on that top step. Ooh, I think something exciting, maybe just a little bit different. Maybe he's trying to prove himself, and uh, the team is going to be in a weird spot. Maybe when Checo finds himself kind of battling, maybe up against Max, maybe he has a little bit of a long, uh, you know, pit stop in there mm-hmm. and uh, a couple cuss words in there to, <laughs> to mix in. I'm just, I'm hoping for something a little different. If, like, it, I if just there's want anybody different. who can make this season interesting for the rest of us it's Checo right if he can put Absolutely. real pressure and we're four or five races into the season and they're effectively tied like man this that that really changes I think the mood at Red Bull and and the psych the psychology in in uh, Max's head that might open the door for others so I'm yeah I'm, I'm a big Checo fan right now. I don't think Lance is gonna is going to beat Fernando just straight up mm-hmm. uh, against one another but I think maybe something happens to Fernando's car Hmm. And the third place finisher and second podium already of the year for Aston Martin is Lance Stroll. Wow. That's going to be my pick. Yeah. And then I'm also going to put, I'm also going to say that uh, that Williams scores points again. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also going to say that uh, McLaren ends up out of the points totally again for the second weekend in a row. Man, uh, I think that Williams is better than uh, I think everyone's had thought going into the season. I think everyone had written them off as the, as the 10 place team, but I think they're, I mean, from race one, they look much faster okay. than, than Haas and uh, Alpha Tauri. If they're owned by a, an American uh, private, private equity, equity firm. Yeah. Is it technically an American team also? <laughs> Can we say that Haas and, and McLaren, the two they American, got an American teams, driver. And then, and then, uh, and then you've got, you've got Williams, who has an American? Williams has the American driver. You say this is an um, uh, this is an American team, American driver. All these things all add up to uh, to Williams being my favorite American team now on the yeah, grid. Yeah, that's, that's right. all. That's all it is. Man, okay. I'll, all I, I'm looking just all I want is a, a Logan Sargent uh, podium so we can hear the the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, listen, have that flag up on the on oh, the. Man, uh, that great. would be so cool. Yeah, uh, Scott Speed. I mean. Yeah. God bless you, but uh, I, I think you've already been supplanted. Uh, yeah, I do believe Logan Sargent will score points this year. 
And, I hope so. Uh, and he will uh, he'll have accomplished more than Scott Speed. I think Alexander Albon also is a guy that sneakily will just like overperform. He always kind of does, yeah. especially when no one's talking about him. Dan, I'm looking forward to this race, man. Yeah, let's go. We'll do the post-race uh, breakdown as well right here on the Mode Push podcast. You can hear that. Download this uh, podcast. Tell your friends. Teach your neighbors about F1. And uh, tell them to listen to the Mode Push podcast brought to you by KSL Sports and KSL Podcast. For Dan, I'm Alex. We'll see you uh, post-race on Sunday. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.